so Megan, I kind of want to start all the way at the beginning and work our way to now. Born in Pittsburgh, you've been a winner since the beginning. You started doing the USA national team because I was doing the same. You started under 16. You went all the way to under 23. What was it like being basically really good young? You know, I actually really, I wasn't really good young. I was really bad. <laughs> like, if I like that. Talk- but tell, so why, tell me when you noticed you started to get better then. Yeah, so I was like really bad. Like my parents were embarrassed bad uh, when I first started like six years old on the soccer field. And I used to like run over there. They'd tell me the story that I, I would run over there and be like, mom, is it okay if I like stick to softball? She's like, totally, totally fine. That's how bad I was, okay? And, um, but I've always been like the type of kid and I still refer to myself that way because that's what it feels like. It, that like loves the struggle, um, the work. Um, and so to me, like I was just having fun with my friends out there. And I think when I stopped worrying about being good or bad, then I could just see myself become like the player and the athlete um, that I was in all the other sports. And so it was more, it's, it, I don't think there was any like one time where I was like, she got it. It was more of like, a, wow, this is really fun. I'm having a blast. And then as I'm having so much fun, I think that's when it started to click. I like that. So you were having, so if that equates to you having fun, you were having a blast in high school and then you were having so much fun that you got a scholarship to UNC. What was that like? Because, you know, that's a, that's a big major school. And so that's the, for me, I came from West Virginia and I made it to UConn. So for me to get to that big platform, you know, it was a big deal. What was that like for you? Yeah. UConn and UNC are kind of like, the top of the pinnacle when it comes to collegiate sports and um what's I I mean I wanted to go there since I was nine and my mom well when I was little there was no I don't know how it was for you but there was no pro league at all same yeah exactly so college was kind of like the pinnacle of what you could do and I knew that UNC was the best and my used to take these spontaneous trips and she would just pull me out of school on a Friday and we'd head out to the mountains or do something fun and this one time we decided to go to the in North Carolina and so we drove down and on a Friday night at 7 p.m. UNC was playing against I have no idea who but we stopped and we watched them and they were literally running circles around every single you know, woman on that field. And I was inspired by it. And then I knew that I want to go there. And then when it came time to choose a college, it was a no brainer. That is what I wanted to go and wanted to be. And I knew how competitive it was. And that fit my personality perfectly. And it was honestly one of the best choices I could have ever made in my life, personally and professionally. I agree. I agree the exact same with UConn. And so you went there, you made a splash. I mean, you were named to the the freshman All-American ACC, All-American ACC. Uh, first, and by the time you left there, you were named first team ACC, got a gazillion academic award, and then you move on. And tell me about that, because we talked about it was the same for me. When you were younger, there wasn't really a league to go to. 
now there's somewhere there's an eye you can play professionally what was that transition like yeah it's a huge jump it's a big jump between level and at this point it was the wps and so i got drafted into the wps and i went down to florida and i jumped and I thought it was going to be exactly like UNC and I'm yelling at everybody and I'm telling them what to do and I'm acting like a little chump and um, turns out <clears throat> the veterans didn't like that very much and uh, so it was actually a really hard transition for me because um, Anson my coach at UNC encouraged freshmen sophomores doesn't matter who you are to speak right. and like own your place and compete and because you your whole career there, correct? Like you started the whole time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but it wasn't easy. Like if you were bad at practice, he would just be like, you're on bench. And then he'd put in somebody that did better at practice. So everything, everything mattered. And I took it incredibly seriously every single practice in the pros and I wanted to win. And, I wa- and so that's why I would direct and do all of these things. Um, so yeah. I needed to learn a little bit of interpersonal <laughs> like skills yeah. um which hopefully you know I've come closer to mastering now um but it was a big jump and it was difficult and you know I was it was a really big learning experience and I had a lot of failures at that time which I I don't really like to call them failures because I just think of their their learning opportunities um, like what like what happened during that period well, um, that is a much longer story, and we need to have a totally separate podcast for that. But um, give me the cliff on, notes, like abbreviated. Just give me the quick hitters for it, the cliff notes version. I'll give you a cliff notes. So um, the owner was like a bit crazy. Like, there's no other word for it, and he um, did not like certain people and liked other people and there was these two groups of people that he kind of like treated really well or Um. kind of didn't treat well and so I was in I was in that group that wasn't treated well got traded (laughs) away first in my very first season got traded um, um, and then went into Boston and had to start over with a brand new team mid-season so there was a and, you know, never was able to break into the starting up down in West Palm Beach. So that was really difficult for me, not being able to connect with my teammates, connect with the owners. And then on top of that, not be able to put in the type of performances that I wanted to put in. So right. Um, right. then up to Boston, it was actually a blessing because it allowed me to have this fresh start to kind of replay my rookie season. And it turned out very differently. Yeah, so that's, it's interesting because I think we've all kind of went through situations like that. Um, I'm curious though, what was it like? Cause you know, you went through these difficulties, they were here in US, but you're one of the players kind of like, again, there's so many things similar in soccer and women's basketball. You went over to Sweden to play, you know, in a whole nother country. So I've had experiences overseas. What was that like just, still trying to find your footing. Now you're over in another country. What is that like? Yeah, Sweden. Okay, there, I think there's 
you can tell me if you feel the same way, but there's certain things in your career that you look back and you're like, wow, that is one of the very best decisions I could have ever made. That was a blessing in my life. Definitely. And so there's these certain, like UNC, that's one of them. Sweden is definitely the next choice slash blessing, whatever you want to call it, that really had a huge impact on my life. And I loved going over there because the Swedes are so different than Americans. They just um, show up to practice and they're like, this is fun. And then they're like, just go home. And they're like not bothered by anything. And they had like a much better tactical sense than I think Americans do did at the time. Um, They were incredibly technical. And so it was like, I was being bombarded with new language, new foods, new people. Um, new culture how how do I even get to practice like I didn't even know how to drive a stick shift car at that point and I had to learn very quickly so there was just like all of these new things blasting at you um, that you had never experienced before and it's all happening at once and so it was a huge learning experience soccer wise but also life wise and What's really cool about that is it allows you to kind of take things as they come more easily. So then when you go back to your own country, you're like, oh man, I remember that time in Sweden that this crazy thing happened. And then everything feels easy when you get back here. No, I've literally been there. So that's why I like to ask, like not a lot of athletes know what it's like to play in your home. Like, and when I say home, meaning America, because a lot of us don't play in our actual home, but we're playing in America that feels close enough. LaMelo Ball was the closest that like a lot of men's basketball players are relating in a sense of the media and seeing like, wow, it's a struggle to play overseas in a sense of talk about you played overseas in Sweden and then now back to the NWSL well I shouldn't say back because it's new now but talk about that knowing that you're now going to be able to play back in America for a new soccer league yeah I was actually really disappointed that I had to leave Sweden that's how much I liked it I wanted to resign and keep playing (laughs) Um, because our team was insane like I don't know if you know much about like international women's players but um, we had like Marta and Caroline Sager and Jenny Hermoso and like these are players that are like FIFA World 11 and Marta's probably the best player in the entire world ever so um, (laughs) it was it was crazy to to play on that team and we, we actually went to the Champions League final um so I didn't want to come back so it was a real struggle um Houston I went back to Houston and and they knew that they're like okay Megan doesn't really want to come but we want to make her welcome and so they really went out of their way to put me in a good living situation and I actually ended up living with the Van Gundy family I don't know if you knew that yes Okay, I'm glad you brought it up. Tell me, wait, what? Because so just so people know, they have what are they called? House the house family program is what it's called, where a family in that area hosts certain players. You were with who were you with? A teammate, Morgan Bryant, actually. And so tell me about like because that some people would have no idea that this even happens, and much less that uh, hello, he's a Van Gundy. So tell me about that experience. Yeah, I mean. Houston didn't really tell me 
that it was Jeff and his family. And so I was like emailing back and forth with him and had no idea that it was <laughs> the Evan Gundy. So I'm like, just, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm so looking forward to coming to live with you. And then I like told my family that I was living with the Van Gundys. They're like, oh, you mean the basketball Van Gundys? I was like, do, do I mean the basketball Van Gundys? And so, so you didn't know who he was before you moved in with him. No, but like, I knew who he was as a coach. Like I've heard of Jeff and Stan, but I didn't mm-hmm. know, like, how ridiculous is that? Yeah. Like that is just sort of, that didn't even cross my mind. So I was like, this is nuts. So then I figured out it was them and I like kind of Googled them a bit. I'm like, this is wild. But they ended up being the most um, giving and thoughtful and um, incredibly caring people that you could have ever asked for in a host family. And we still keep in touch. I just talked to um, Maddie Van Gundy just the other week, one of um, Jeff and Kim's daughters. And, you know, when, when, I was living in their house. They had a kid in elementary school and college. And now, you know, they have one in high school and Maddie's out in the working world. So it's, it's wild to see them all grown up too. So wait, was, was the house like really nice? Was it like one of those, like, (laughs) okay, I'm living here type places. (laughs) Okay. Houston is a crazy city for a lot of reasons. And one of them is like that you can have these incredible houses in the city like in the middle of the city with a yard in the heart yes and that doesn't happen like you you can't just go to new york and buy a plot of land and have a house with a front yard and a backyard you know what i'm saying like it doesn't happen so that is um but that's how houston is and there and it's there's a lot so um it was awesome because they were incredibly generous and like they made me feel so at home and um, I had like my own little room with my like own, you know, closet. And Kim was so funny. She even got me, she was worried that I wasn't going to like feel like, like I wanted to use all of their stuff. So she got my, my own fridge to put up in my room. (laughs) What? You had your own bachelorette pad. What are we talking about here? I know. And so they were just like, the coolest family and I'm sure if I wanted to um that I could have had like my own separate life and just kind of been like passerby in their lives but but I didn't want it to be that way because they're amazing and they they really became my second family down in Houston and we would just like I would cook for them you know we would do pancake Sundays and we would watch together or go out by the pool like we just really spent a lot of time together and it was honestly the coolest Okay, I like that you said you would cook for them. And I saw you have a thing called Kling's Kitchen. So what was the most recent meal on Kling's Kitchen? What should, no, actually, what's your best meal? Like if you had to cook a meal for somebody that you needed to impress, what would you cook at Kling's Kitchen? Oh, wow, 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 wow. That is a tough question. Honestly, of all the questions so far, that is the hardest. Um, if I had to really impress somebody, I think that I would do... My, my mom is like a crazy chef, like so good. I don't even call her a cook. I call her a chef, okay? 
and uh, we're, we're really Italian, so food's really important to us. So we would always sit down around the table and connect over really, really good food. So my mom is a specialist in sauces and soups. Like those are her very best dishes. So she makes this marinara sauce and um, she's recently, and she doesn't have a recipe by the way, which makes it impossible for me to learn from her. Yeah. No, she just smells it. It's like, ah, oh, that smells a little off. And she'll go, shoop, 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 shoop. Yeah, it's not. I'm jealous of people and like that so, because like, I can't just cook naturally. Like I can't cook at all even now, but the fact that some people are just like, what is that? Oh yeah, add a little more paprika. I'm like, what? So yeah, <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. And she's just like, she doesn't even taste it. She just smells it and knows. It's the wildest thing I've ever seen. Okay, Crazy. so but she, okay, so I but like this. Let's friend. let's move off the field stuff um, because you have a lot going on too. Um, you have a clothing line that you started right with a group of your friends. Tell me about this because that's okay. I like that rooted at the source. Tell me about it. So it's called Re Ink, and um, ultimately, it's it's like this really awesome origin story. But I'll give you I'll give you the cliff notes again um it's a purpose uh led lifestyle company right now and we're moving into some really cool stuff into the future that i can't make public yet but maybe you know oh, you can't maybe drop maybe us a nugget here i am I, that's all i can do but right now um we 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 drop like uh streetwear um collections you know, three or four times a year with, with different things. Um, also in there as well, like we just had candles, we had this awesome blanket, we did a skateboard in the summer. And, um, you know, it's just a really amazing company because we think of it as like the, a way to change the world. And we're not saying that from like a I'm not saying like buy my stuff and then like we're going to change the world. No. What we think is that, you know, if we can create a company that is based off of some really amazing values and ideals about being change makers and equity and equality and things like that, um, when it does become big, then we actually have <clears throat> the type of clout to ensure that other companies that work with us and are around us and people that are going to work for us um, have those same values and ideals. And so then, you know, when you're one of the one, you're one of the tastemakers in the world and you're powerful, you get to kind of set the ground rules. And so to mm -hmm. us, that's really important to create a company that becomes big enough and um, a is seat the, at the table to create that change. I love that. Re so re-ink is a way to get at the table. I like that. That's a good, con I mean, because you're right. And just to kind of piggyback on that, basically whoever has the most influence can influence the most and so if you create a brand create products that have a lot of influence have a lot of reach well then you can insane and in, in turn do the same and you guys want to do it when you do get to the seat at the table that's when you want to do the good stuff get i get it i love it um speaking of you guys speaking of culture you were on, you were involved in FIFA. I think it was FIFA 16. I think when you guys, you know, were involved in, we just kind of the WNBA, we kind of just had our first taste at it recently in the video game space. 
what was that like seeing yourself like as a on the game I mean I don't know if you're a gamer but even seeing yourself on the game you know what was that like yeah I played myself one time and um <clears throat> you know it's, it's never good when you're like better like on on the screen than you are in real life so I stopped that real quick but it is really cool I mean like it's nuts did you get to stand in the thing that they kind of like hook you up to all yeah. the little patches and then they like oh we didn't have the, the like, actual ball so we kind of just stood in the the truck and like did that one. Oh yeah that, that's probably like the newer one like no I think theirs was a fancier one I think they like you went like all in like they got like they probably got like your teeth and everything like they they went all in on you guys I think so and it ended up being nuts because our team at the end of 2016 was one of the most played teams in the game I think we were in the top 20 people would pick you know you get to pick Barcelona or Spain or USA and you know our team was in the top 20 of being yeah. picked on FIFA. That's nuts. That is crazy. And I'm glad you said that because that made me think of something. Your team was the top pick team. I read that somewhere. And also that's also in the time where there was a big dispute about pay. You know, you guys were killing it. You're winning. You're doing a lot of good things. You're the top pick team on the game. You got invited to the White House, which I'm about to ask you about that in a second. But then there's this big pay disparity. What was that like? Because that, I mean, honestly, that set the standard as far as like you guys like went at it. Like you didn't like tiptoe around it. You didn't dance around it. You like hit it head on and like, you know, we're a women's league too. So for us, I was like, okay, let's go. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like we're just, tired and I'm sure you feel the same way like we're tired of feeling like second class athletes when we're not and we thought that our paychecks paychecks should reflect how good we actually are um and that shouldn't be based on anything except how good you are um and so we we really wanted to take care of this outside of the courtroom. Like we wanted to talk to U.S. soccer during our collective bargaining agreement and figure out an equitable solution. Um, Because to us, equality wasn't exactly fair either because arguably we've been the best in the world for a really long time, (laughs) you know? And that has nothing to do with anybody else except for us, you know? And yes. when you're the best in the world, you should be paid like you're the best in the world. That, and that's not to crap on anybody else at all. That's just speaking fact. And so for us, we really wanted to go into the collective bargaining agreement um, with that mindset and knew that we wanted to have some sort of revenue share because arguably a revenue share is the most um equitable model and uh that was pretty much a non-starter for us soccer and so we couldn't get to the place that we really wanted to and we couldn't even get to an equality place let alone an equitable place so we knew that we needed to take the that a bit further and that's when we started getting involved in um the lawsuit 
Man, I mean, no, that's a bold move. And and as everyone knows, that paid off, though, because you're right. These When you're talking facts, the facts are the facts. Like, we're not even equal talking for you guys. I'm going to speak for you guys. You're not even equal. You guys were killing it at a high level. Like, we all watched it. You know, like, we all watched the FIFA thing happen. We're all watching Obama invite you all to the White House, but in a manner that he was engaged. You know, like, all sports teams go to the White House. You know, he was very engaged. I fortunate enough to go visit Obama as well. Tell me what that was like. Oh, wow. We're going to connect over this because (laughs) like, wow, it was so special. Like I, um, I love Mr. Obama. Like, (laughs) uh, and I, like when we went there and I love Michelle, I just love the Obamas in general. And I just thought they were so refreshing. And I love, like, I was just so behind them. And like, they, I voted for them twice. And like, I thought they yep. were amazing people. And I was just like, yep. so proud. And like, I don't know, I had all this feeling about like, putting on the jersey and representing my country in a World Cup. And my dad was in the military and all these different things. So it, like, wow. we were really, it was really important to me to go and meet President Obama. And there's actually a picture. Somebody took a picture of me while I was uh, shaking his hand. <laughs> and I'm just standing there and I'm just like looking at him. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just like so an happy. admiration, like. Oh, so much awe. Yeah. I was just, I'm just so proud of the way that he like conducts himself and, and yeah. like who, I mean, like probably wouldn't have said that four years ago, but now that's something that's a compliment. <laughs> and I'm proud of the way that he conducts himself and his policies and the way he goes about his business and the way that he tries to make change. And so meeting um, President Obama was one of the coolest things that I've ever done. I I don't know how how you feel about it, but I'm sure it is. Same. We are the same. Nah, like that's why anybody that's met President Obama or had that White House experience with him, I think it's different, like because all presidents aren't necessarily going to be sports fans. So it's always going to be a little bit different depending on what kind of fan they are. President Obama is a sports fan and he was like, and I, you could just tell and he was a fan of your team. Like he, he was a fan of what you guys stood for. And so I've been wanting to ask somebody like, what was that like? And we're going to get that. You got to send me that photo. Like we got to get that photo so we can show people because that's like a photo for a lifetime. We even saw the Obamas at this recent inauguration. And it was just like, even right when you see them, you're like, the Obamas, like that's how I felt. Yeah, exactly. So man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to sit here. Like we have a lot in common. I think women's basketball and women's soccer The more we start interacting, people will see that like there's so much in common. So Megan, I thank you so much for hopping on here with me for an episode of Remotely Renee. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.